0: Thanks, guys. Morning, everybody. Uh, Forgive me if I sound a bit croaky. I've had a bit of a cold and a sore throat and a cough, so um, I'll do my best not to cough all over you. Um, We are continuing uh, our series, Advent Feasting and Fasting, and the name of this talk is We Can Be Part of a Bigger Story If We Simply Say Yes to God. We can be part of a bigger story. If we simply say yes to God, we're going to look at the story of Mary and the angel Gabriel, sometimes called the Annunciation, and it's in Luke chapter 1. And if you have a Bible or you have a Bible on your phone, uh, I would love you to turn that up and we'll come to that in a moment. Um, But first, just an observation I've made. You know, back in the day when Joe and I were starting a family, um, announcing the news that we were pregnant didn't seem like that big a deal. It seemed, I mean, it was a big deal to us, obviously, but the actual how we told people seemed quite low key to us. What we would do is, when we found out it was the right time, we would um, wander over, to, we'd, we'd go to our friends, and we'd find the right moment in conversation, and we'd say, by the way, we've got some exciting news to share. We're gonna have a baby. Well, this was in the day before digital media and social media, and it seems to me that things have changed somewhat. And now, um, if you are pregnant and announcing uh, that you're going to have a baby, there are like all these different ways, cryptic ways to communicate it, um, such that I did, I did have a little bit of a Google session last night, and I, and I looked and... Um, no, this isn't me making any kind of announcement about us, by the way. <laughs> That's not my point here. My point is about annunciation. So here's a fairly traditional, straightforward way of announcing a pregnancy. Um, you know you sort of put a little note in and say hey guess what we're pregnant here's here's one that we wouldn't have done in our day but um look now what you can do now you can send people a scan picture which is really exciting isn't it um w- or if you want to go a little bit further I think you can go with a, a bit of a staged photo y- y- you know when you see that you think well something's happening um it's a little bit pregnant uh, um, I did find this one when I was Googling. This is a pregnancy announcement template kit that you can buy on Etsy for £10.76. So this is what you get when you want to you know, create the perfect photo in the, to put on your social media feed. Um, this one I just thought was quite ingenious. I thought that was quite fun. Um, and, um, and, and the last one for this morning, you could go on and on with this. But um, this one I thought was just quite cute. I thought that was really sweet. Um, It seems to me that um, there's, I don't know know if it's a pressure thing or if it's just a fun thing, but these days, if you want to tell your friends that you're going to have a baby, there are all these different ways of doing it. Well, the Annunciation, as we call it, the the bit where Mary in the Bible is visited by the angel Gabriel, its probably one of the most well-known pregnancy announcement notices in history, and probably the most remarkable. It's been painted multiple times. It's been reenacted every year for as long as I can remember by schoolchildren everywhere. And this story from Luke 1 is read out in churches across the world every Christmas. The story of Mary, and the, in fact, we had it last week at our carol service. The story of Mary and the angel. If you have grown up in a church context, You've probably heard this story hundreds of times, and in fact, it's an absolute backdrop to our faith, and it's very familiar. But if I'm honest, as I started to think about it, I just don't know how relatable it is. You see, on the surface, I sometimes wonder if really I, a 50 a 53-year-old year man, have much in common with a young Jewish girl, probably age 15, 16, something like that, literally plucked from obscurity to become the mother of the Son of God. I mean, I I don't know, I can't really relate to that. I find it hard. I certainly have no clue what it would have been like to experience what she experienced, the shame that she would have endured in her village for being pregnant and unmarried and all that went with that. You see, if you didn't grow up in the church or if you're just coming to this with new eyes, well, you might be asking similarly: well, how, how do I relate to this teenage girl? On the surface, it doesn't feel like there's much for me in this story. But the truth is, this is the Word of God, and this story is here for a reason. And I think there's truth to dig into. And so Joe and I were on sabbatical this year, and we were engaged in something called Ignatian spiritual exercises. I know that sounds a bit full-on, but it, um, it wasn't really. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, actually. Um, Every day we did it, or we well supposed to be every day. We, we we kept it in most days, and we tried to do some time, just praying in the way that Saint Ignatius sort of set out um, many many years ago. And, and and part of that involved something called imaginative prayer, or contemplation. It's a sort of active way of pl- praying and reading the Bible and reflecting on a story in a way that sp- specifically tries to stir up your heart and your thoughts and your emotions. So we're reading stories, and I'm trying to imagine myself in the story, and I'm trying to picture the characters and imagine it going on in front of me and try and feel something about it, try and understand what these characters are feeling. And I was reading this story, actually, and I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me some things about Mary and about Mary's encounter with the angel and actually later with Elizabeth as well, but I won't get into that today, which I had never seen before. And which actually really applied to me and to my story, even though I don't, on the surface of it, seem to have a lot in common with this young girl from Nazareth. I've read this story at least every Christmas for the last 50 years, probably a load more times. And yet the Holy Spirit was showing me something fresh in the story, which is really exciting. I found it a really exciting and inspiring way to read the Bible. So look, let's read the first part. I'm just going to read the first three or four verses to start with, and then we'll pick up the rest later. So you can follow along if you've got the Bible in front of you. This is Luke chapter 1. And I'm just going to go from verse 26. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, if you were here three weeks ago, we talked about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, which comes just before this in the Bible, and in fact overlaps with this story. We talked about how God chose these um, faithful people How he answered their long and desperate prayers for a child and how the answer to their prayers was that for their long-awaited son was going to be John the Baptist who would be set apart and empowered. How he would turn the Israelites to God. How he would prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. How after 400 years of not really hearing anything God is beginning to break in again to his people. And now, as I said from verse 26 it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy so we've moved the story has moved on by six months and here we are again God is intervening in a time and a place where they've effectively had radio silence for hundreds of years this nation are desperate for God to do something and for God to say something similarly to how we are in our nation desperate for God to intervene and God sends this angel to this girl Mary she's a very ordinary Jewish girl from a very small town in the north of Israel it's so small and unheard of that Luke has to tell his audience who he is writing to 60 70 years later where Nazareth is he said it's a town in Galilee because it's so sort of back of beyond that nobody would really know where that was You know, later on, somebody says, Nazareth, gosh, what good could come from there? Nazareth was really not a highly thought of place at all. Very unremarkable. And yet, today, there are three truths that were said during this encounter that I believe have a really powerful resonance for us today. And that's what I want to reflect on together as a church family. And the first one is what the Lord, what the angel said to Mary. He said this, the Lord is with you. And you are highly favored. The Lord is with you, and you are highly favored. I wonder what is the one thing that everyone, all of us, need to hear on a really regular basis? What is it that we need to hear? We need to hear you are loved, you are precious, you are favored, you are special. Earlier this year, Claire spoke really movingly actually about how everybody has this need for a love and how the the, the psychologists call this attachment theory and suggest that this that need to be loved is considered one of our basic most basic most fundamental needs it's what every child needs to hear from their parents it's what all of us need to hear from family and friends and it's what god wants to say to us you are precious you are special you are loved you are highly favoured. You know, Joe and I used to be children's pastors back in the day. And we used to run these camps, uh, holiday clubs uh, for young people. And some of them were young people who came from Christian families. And some of them were young people who didn't come from Christian families and didn't necessarily come to church and didn't necessarily know God or Jesus or the Bible or anything. And I remember we were sitting there one day and we were planning this camp. And we said, look, Joe, I, I remember saying to Joe, look, at the end of this week, after we've done all of this, if there was one thing, one key thing that we wanted these young people to get out of this week what would it be and Joe said oh that's easy it would be that we want them to know that they are special and that they are loved and anything else is a bonus if you asked me what do I want the young people coming come to our church to know every time they come in on a Sunday I want them to know they are welcomed they are precious they are special and they are loved because that's what all of us need to know I don't know if you've seen this book. It came out about three or four years ago. I've got a picture here as well. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. Put your hand up, or just wave at me if you know about this, if you've seen this book. I mean, this is a book by a man called Charlie Makassi, an artist. An artist who um, actually was involved in um, early publicity for Alpha. Early cartoons he drew for Alpha. Um, He speaks on the Alpha video as well. Um, This book is a book based on some cartoon characters that he started doodling around with and posting on his integra- Instagram. And somehow, momentum, people's responses to them were so powerful that it became a book not, not long later. In fact, a Sunday Times best-selling book, a Waterstones book of the year. Here's one of his pictures, one of his cartoons. Life is difficult, but you are loved. Here's another one. Where does strength come from, said the boy, from knowing we are loved? And the truth that Charlie manages to get across in his cartoons, he manages to say things that everybody needs to hear with drawings that just seem to bypass any emotional barriers and just get through to people's hearts. Here's another one. When things are difficult, remember who you are. Who am I? Well, you are loved. And so the truth of what he's portraying some of these. Here's another one. I've realized why we're here, whispered the boy. For cake, asked the mole. To love, said the boy. And to be loved, said the horse. Now, I don't know about you, but when I flick through this book, I just find it really powerful, really emotional. I find, I find myself welling up sometimes because I think the heart of God And what God would want to say to me and what God would want to say to you and to anyone is encapsulated in this. And if you follow Charlie's Instagram, he quite regularly leaves these books in public places with a note in the front saying, if you've found this book, it's for you. You know? And he'll show photos of leaving them on the tube and leave them in phone boxes and stuff like that. You know, just leaving them around places. Here's another one. Do you know all of me? Asked the boy. Yes, said the horse. And you still love me. We love you all the more. Isn't that beautiful? And you, um, I, I'm just I'm blown away by how this has taken off, how it's caught the mood of a nation. Um, because as I said, I think it's straight out of the heart of God. And um, this is just, this is a guy who's just using the skills that God's given him to say something that's in the heart of God in a way that's really powerful. He's a believer using his gifts and the platform that he's got to share positive truth. Great news. I wonder what our way of doing that is. We can't all do this. But what can we do? I just think that's really beautiful. And sort of to cap off the story, I don't know if you know, but they've made an animated film of this stuff and it's going to be on on BBC on Christmas Eve. So enjoy that. I'm going to (coughs) What is it that the angel first says to Mary? She says, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary, you are loved. You are precious. What is it that we need to hear from God on a regular basis? It's the same thing. You are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. You are loved. In this church, we say, come as you are, because Jesus says, come as you are. Everyone is welcome here. You really don't have to pass a test to come to Jesus, to know that you're loved. We're loved because we're loved because we're loved by the one who made us, by the one who thought us up, who designed us, who put us together in our mother's womb. He has an incredible plan and a destiny for each of us. And as I've got older, I've realized that the most important thing that I have learned about God and my relationship with him Is that whatever else is happening, whatever else I feel, whatever else I think about myself, the truth is I'm loved by God. Do you know, I'm one of his favourites. I'm highly favoured too, and so are you. That is never going to change. Now often I'll sit down with God and I will want to talk business. Come on God, let's talk about, funnily enough, when I want to talk about business, God just seems to want to talk about love. I want to say, oh, I've screwed up, I'm in a mess, I've done it again, I don't deserve to be loved. God just says, I love you. It's kind of all I hear him say sometimes. In this Ignatian spirituality, they talk about this thing of deliberately imagining yourself in the long, loving gaze of the Father funny i finished my exercises joe's still still working on hers because she can't get past that she keeps getting stopping to pause onto the long loving gaze of the father and they're not really getting any further it's a beautiful beautiful thing because the real question is what is god saying about you and the real truth is that whatever god says about you is much more significant than anything else you will ever hear It's more significant than how other people view you. It's more significant than what other people say about you. It's more significant than the expectations that others have on you. Maybe your parents or other people who've placed expectations on you. It's more significant than the limitations that we may well have placed on ourselves. There was a theologian, an incredible Swiss-German theologian called Karl Barth. And he published many writings. He wrote this five-volume book. Magnum opus called Church Dogmatics. I can't pretend that I've read it, I haven't. It's got 9,000 pages and 6 million words. It's supposed to be one of the longest systematic theologies ever written. People say it's brilliant. In 1962, a student asked Karl Barth, Mr. Barth, Mr. Barth, Professor Barth, if you could summarize your whole theology into one sentence, what would it be? And Bart's response was, it would be the words of a song that my mother taught me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And if you're of a certain age and you grew up in church, you'll know that song. Yes, Jesus loves me. You're not going to sing it with me, obviously. Okay. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. My mom sang that to me every night when I was going to sleep. Incredible truth. I'm highly favored. Do you know? Highly favored. What is favor? Well, favor is God's good intention towards us. Those of you who remember Hugh Cryer who started this church, he used to say he's a good God. He's in a good mood. He's got good plans. We're highly favored. Let's just pause just for a second. Just close your eyes just for a second, and well not a second, about 30 seconds, and imagine the long loving gaze of the Father. And all he's got to say to you today is, you are precious, you are loved, I am with you, you are highly favoured. beautiful thing and when you go home today take another five minutes and do the same thing Mary didn't have any difficulty believing that this was true for Mary this encounter with an angel speaking the word of truth of God to her unlocked something for her it unlocked an incredible purpose And for us, the more that we press into the love of God, the more that we trust in the favour of God that's on us, the more that we dig into that, the more of his purpose will be released in our lives. Let's read the rest of the story together. I'm going to pick up at chapter, verse 29, Luke 1. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, the angel that is, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "'Don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God.' you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative who's going to have a child in her old age, she who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And the way this account is written up, It all just seems quite straightforward, doesn't it? Quite a matter of fact. Oh, it's fine. You know, it's going to be fine. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. Mary has had an incredible invitation. God has chosen you, Mary, says the angel, to be the mother of his son. Not just any child. Not just any old human. A special child. The promised Messiah. The name Son of God. The name Jesus. It means the Lord is salvation. This child Mary is going to grow up and save his people. You know how we've been waiting 400 years for God to intervene? This is it. You're the one. And Mary's response is interesting. And if you have read the story beforehand, Zechariah's uh, Zechariah story, if you heard us talk about this a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember that when, Zech- when the angel, the same angel actually, as it happens, <coughs> spoke to Zechariah and said, you've prayed for a long time and you're going to have a- your wife's going to have a baby, Zechariah's response was pretty skeptical. I really? My wife's old. How is that going to happen? But Mary's response is very different. Mary's response just seems very inquisitive. She just says, "Hmm, how's this going to happen then? I wonder how this is going to happen. How's this going to be? Because I'm a virgin. And the response that the angel gives to her is the second of those phrases. Do you remember I said the first phrase from this story that i want us all to reflect on is the lord is with you and you're highly favored and the second one is this the holy spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you you see this is all on god mary you don't have to make this happen mary you don't have to do anything god has got this covered this is 100 percent holy spirit creativity He's going to create a child in your womb. He's got the resources to carry out all that he's planned. This is the God of creation. He made the universe. He put every star in the sky. He knows every grain of sand on the beach and every hair on the head of every human. He is all powerful. And he's decided that now is the time to get involved. And when he gets involved, he makes stuff happen. And so these words, these words, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. These words were true of Mary, and they can be true of us, of all of us. How many of us need to know something today? The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. How many of us need to experience that today? It's a theme right through the New Testament. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, look, wait for the Spirit. He says, the Spirit is coming. You will be clothed with power from on high. You don't have to do this on your own. I'm giving you a job to do, yes, but you're not on your own to do it. Paul instructs the Ephesian church. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled and keep being filled and keep being filled. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is the one who does God's work on earth. He's the comforter. He's the empowerer. He's the encourager. And when we choose to put our trust in Jesus, when we choose to live his way, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and fill us and give us what we need. He will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In this church, we have a rule. The rule is we always say, come Holy Spirit. We're not here just to gather and have a nice time together. We're here to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've said it already today and we'll say it again. Come Holy Spirit. We, can't, we, we know that we can't, we can't do life without the Holy Spirit. We can't do life without the power of God. We need him when we're on our own. We need him when we're together. He is in charge around here. And so the question I have for each of us to reflect on today is, what is God inviting us to do? What is God inviting you to do now? What is it that God is saying, I need you to do this? And what do we need to do it? What resources do we need to do what God is inviting us to do? And whatever the question is, the answer is we always, it's always, we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes that looks and feels like different things. Um, Andy said it last week when he was preaching at the carol service. He said, sometimes it just feels like the warmest of warm hugs. Some days, I just need a big warm hug to get my life on track and get done. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to know the peace that he brings to get through the anxiety of today. We need to know the strength that he gives just to keep going when we feel like quitting. We need his wisdom when we face the challenges that we've got in our day at college or work or school or uni. We need the boldness to speak out when things aren't right. We need the grace to manage difficult situations and Conflict. We need the humility to ask for forgiveness when we've messed up. We need His peace and stability when when we need to be non anxious presence in the situation. We need the power of God to bring healing and transformation. We need the words of God to speak encouragement life to those who are struggling we need the comfort of the spirit when we feel upset or sad or got emotions to process we need the patience of the spirit when we don't yet see the things that God has said to us happen remember she said it said no word from God will ever fail where do you need the Holy Spirit today let's pause again just take a moment And consider that for yourself. Where do I need God's Holy Spirit today? Where do I need the empowering of God? What has happened this week or what is happening this week? The Lord says, what do you need? And he promises to Mary... And to us, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. He is available. He's here. In just a few moments' time, when I've finished, we're going to pray. And if you are in need of the Holy Spirit today, if you are in need of an encounter with God, if you know that you need something from Him, we would love to just share with you and pray with you about that. But I said there were three truths. And the third one... We've said that the first one was the Lord is with you and you are highly favoured. The second one is the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the third truth is not something the angel said, it's something that Mary said. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It's a short phrase, 12 words. Simple, faith-filled response. A short phrase with massive implications. I'm the Lord's servant. If that's what he wants to do with me, I'm okay with that. I'm ready. Um, I want to play you a short video um, of a man called Steve Foster, who is the vicar of St. Aldate's Church in Oxford. I just think he said, he talked about Mary's response. Um, He talks about it in the context of a sermon about finding your purpose in life. I just thought that he said it better
1: than I could. So hopefully it comes up now. I so admire Mary. Young, vulnerable, taking on huge risk to herself. She chose obedience. Mary took the risk of punishment of death to bear the one who would conquer death. Mary took the risk of a life of shame to bear the one who would take all our shame away. Mary took the risk of wrecking her relationships with everyone she held dear. In order that she might bear the one who would restore our relationships with the one who first loved us. Seeing it all, the risk, the cost, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Remarkable obedience. Now, obedience at the time feels like a great risk, but the greatest risk is to hear from God and to do nothing or to do the opposite and not respond. Obedience is risky, but in life, it's the only path to true security. Sometimes you have to surrender your dreams to discover your destiny. It's worth it. Do it anyway. Yes, it might cost you. Yes, it might mean you face some trouble. Sometimes giving up, surrendering to God feels like you're losing all your freedom, but the only way in life You will be truly free is by bowing the knee to Jesus Christ. I thought what he said was really powerful.
0: He said that the best way to find your purpose in life is to find out what God wants you to do. It's for us to find out what he's made us for and then to do it to the best of our ability, whatever that might cost us. And Mary, this remarkable, unremarkable girl from the back of nowhere, who's unlikely to ever make a massive impact in the world until God chooses her and calls her and empowers her. And she plays her crucial part in changing the world. She didn't have the answers. She didn't have the strategies. She didn't know what it would mean, but she just trusted and said yes. And for her, that meant becoming part of a massive story. I am the Lord's servant, she says. I am the Lord's servant. And Mary shows us that whoever we are and wherever we are, We can be part of a bigger story if we simply say yes to God. Whatever he's calling us to do, we can be part of a bigger story if we simply say yes to God. That's true for us as individuals. It's true in our families. It's true in our workplaces or in our schools or colleges. It's true in our communities. And it's true for us as a church. You know, the last few weeks we've been praying and fasting and part of that for us has been about just wanting to say what what next god what next god we want to be close to you we want to be here for you we need to hear your voice we want to we, we want to follow you we want to pursue you we need resources to do that but what are you calling us to do what is it god and so the last question i have for each of us is this what Where is God inviting each of us to say yes? Even if we don't know what the answers are. Even if we don't know the strategies or the plans. Where is God inviting us to say yes? What's the thing that he's talking to you about? What's the thing that God is inviting you to do that might cost us? And we don't really know how it's going to work out. But we have a sense that this is what God's saying. And in this moment, why don't we just say yes to God? Maybe it's about just saying, you know what, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. But like Mary, I want to trust, I want to choose to trust and say yes. What would that look like? Joe, why don't you come?